Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. We're staying in this series, From the Battle to the Basin, the Lord has really given us an opportunity, I feel, to transform an area of our life. And we're going to look at the Word of God and do it. And it was John chapter 13 where we started at verse 1, and uh, we can go there together. And today, I really want you to be open to God speaking to your heart. Um, it's been kind of a, we've been in a good teaching series. Um, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been, I think it's been life-changing. It's a good teaching series. But now we're getting into an area where we start seeing the example of what Jesus gave us. Um, how many know everything Jesus did, he did it with a knowledge and an understanding to change your life? And today, I want you to kind of look at it. So John 13, verse 1, I want you to look at this today with me. And we're going to kind of continue where we left off. And I want to read a couple verses to you. And it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour has come, that he should depart out of this world. You know, I don't know about you, Ben, but underline that. That has that kind of stuck with me and kept me um, for a minute. And it says this. He said he knew his hour was come, and having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. I don't know about you, but Jesus, this, this, this statement right here has really kind of gripped me because Jesus is getting ready to depart out of the earth, and he takes the ones he loves and spends time with them explaining to him out of his heart what he would want them to know. And it's a really odd spot to be you know today i was thinking about it even in the morning service i have i I remember people going through things in life coming to me knowing that the road they were facing before them was probably going to be bittersweet i had one one gentleman come in my office and said you saved my life i didn't save his life but tears tears in his tears grown man grown man tears you saved my life, Pastor Chris. I know I didn't save his life. I know I had nothing to do with it. But while that moment in time, because I, I got a feeling I'm not going to be here, and I want to tell you what you mean to me. I never had a conversation like that a day in my life with the man. But that day we did. I think of being at pe- with people maybe at their last moments of life. You know, I said this to you last week, but it's so true. They didn't sit there and tell me what they thought the ball game score should be. They didn't tell me their favorite things they like. They told me what was most important to them at that moment. They left me with something. Some of you did it. Some of you did it with your parents. Some of you did it with grandparents. Somebody did it with a friend. I think about people in the church. I was, you know, I, maybe it's a privilege, but I got to sit along some hospital beds in the last hours of life. We didn't talk about silly stuff. We talked about what was important to them at that given moment. I don't know about you, but if somebody said, hey, you're not going to be here longer, who would I want around me? What would I tell them? And I think it's really weird that Jesus comes and says these words. He says, come and be with me. And I loved you, but I want to tell you what I want to talk to you about. Because what he says in these next words, I think are life changing. And look what he says in verse two. And I thought this was amazing. And supper being ended, the devil now put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, 
to betray him. Keep reading. I think it's going to help us. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, in verse 4, he rises from the supper, he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel and girded himself. And look what he says in verse 5. And he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. I started thinking about this probably like you did. This is the most meaningless task there is. This has never been left for the Messiah. It's never been laid out for the king. This was laid out for the lowest of lowest servant to be the feet washer. And Jesus goes on to say a little later in the scriptures, he goes, I'm doing this and you don't know. We could read it. Let's read it. We have time. Read verse six. It'll, it'll really play itself into a picture that you could see. Then cometh Simon, Peter, and Peter said in him, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said unto him, what I do right now, you don't understand, but later you're going to understand it because I'm doing this for an example. And Peter said to him, thou shalt never wash my feet. And he said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have no part with me. And Simon said to him, then Lord, if you're going to wash my feet, don't just wash my feet, wash my whole body because I'm pretty much a mess and I can need all the help I can get. Jesus said to him, he that washeth needeth not to save to wash his feet but he is clean. Jesus said these words. He said, what I'm getting ready to do, you're, now listen, this is where we get going. I want you to catch this. Jesus says this. He says, what I'm getting ready to do, you're not going to understand right now. But one day you're going to remember this and look back and remember what I did for you. And I thought it was amazing because here we go again. Jesus is standing. And in verse two, it really got me. He doesn't even get the desire out of his own heart to want to serve them and to be there for them and help them. And it says this, here comes the betrayer. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking in my mind and I caught it and I didn't see it until I see it now. And it's okay for you to like wash the feet. Cause see what he's saying is this, as I'm washing you, I'm making you clean because of who I am. And I, and I'm, I mean, I was kind of okay with Thomas because I know you're going to wash Thomas's feet and it's symbolic of you forgiving them. It's symbolic of you forgiving and washing him clean. And I'm okay with you washing the doubters feet. It's okay with me. It's cool to wash the doubters feet. I'm all right with that, Jesus. That's cool. Wash the doubters feet because I know if you wash their feet, I got to wash some people's feet. So it's cool that we wash the doubter. Wash the doubter's feet, no problem, Jesus. That's cool. And I'm all right. I'm cool. I'm leaving cool. Like I, can, I know Peter's in that list, and I'm all right with Peter because, you know what? I, I get it. There's going to be, you know, doubting Thomas. I can handle, and I can even handle, I can even really handle the denier. I can handle Peter the denier. I'm cool with the denier. People are going to deny me. And as you're getting ready to go grab that basin of water and pour out some grace for the, the, that denier, I'm cool with that. But Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, and I can see Jesus getting up from the table and wrapping himself in that girdle and getting ready to go find Judas and kind of like you're watching Jesus do it and go, Jesus, do me a favor. It's cool with the doubter and it's cool with the denier, but don't go near the betrayer. Because if you wash that guy's feet, I'm going to have to wash the betrayers that show up in my life and I don't want to do that. 
I'm cool with the unfree. I'm all right with the guy. It's okay. But don't touch that thing with that betrayer. I'm all right with the unfree. I, I can even stretch with unforgiveness, okay? I can stretch with the people that aren't going to forgive me. That's okay. I'm all right. I don't know what Peter, Peter's, all Peter's hangups are. I don't, know what, I don't know what all these guys, I don't know if Nathaniel's a mess. I don't know. I'm all right with all of them. But don't touch that basin for that betrayer. Because see, I'm, see, the TV could offend me. Uh, goofy people offend me. People that, you know, the government might offend. I don't know what offends you. Church might offend you. But, but see, the betrayer, that means you got to get close to me. You got to be somebody that was close to me to betray me. And I don't want to forgive those people. And I could see Jesus sliding from the moment he got up to that pitcher of water. And if it would have been me, I would have started screaming, don't do it. Because the minute you pick up that pitcher, because see, they're sitting there, they know what's happening. See, he got up. He got up from that table, guys, and they know what's getting ready to happen. This is the servant's job. The servant washes the feet. What he's doing is he's humbling himself and saying, guess what, guys? I forgive you. Guess what, guys? I'm okay with you just the way you are. Don't pick up that picture. Because I'm going to have to pick it up. If you pick it up, I would have started screaming, don't touch, leave it alone. I'm all right with all the other stuff. You say to me, well, what, what, what are you getting all excited about, Pastor? Because you don't understand what took place. Jesus rises from that table, and he leeches over, and he starts going. And now they're all lined up. They know what's going to happen. Listen, Judas already talking in his heart that he was going to betray the king. And let me tell you something. In the moment, they didn't even know who was going to be the one. So much so at the Last Supper, what took place? He said, one of you will betray me. Everybody had to ask themselves, is it me? Is it me? It's going to walk away from you. So the capacity to betray is an opportunity for each and every one of us if we're not careful. And Jesus arises from the moment, and I can hear, see, no, no, don't, 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 don't get that. Not Judas. I'm all right with Thomas. He's a mess. I'm all right with Peter. He's a little dysfunctional. We get it. He's got a foul mouth. He cusses a little bit. I'm cool with all that. But we can't forgive him. Not him. He's the worst. And Jesus, I think, picked him first. And he, and he kind of went and grabbed that picture, and I could see everybody going, not that guy. Because, see, if you take that picture and you go, Judas, you go first. You go first. Probably spilled like on him. Not that guy. Probably happened just like that. I don't think it was neat. I think it was intense and gripping. Because if you bow your knee before him, the betrayer, you're telling me I'm going to have to bow my knee before mine. 
But I don't want to let those people go. They got to pay the price for the pain they've cost me in my life. See, to betray me, you got to get close to me. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because somebody one day decided to stop loving you. And they were close to you. I got something here, and, and, and I want to read it to you, and I don't want you to go to a place where it, it causes you pain, but this is what I want to ask you today, because if I don't get you here, what, what, is, what is something that someone is stopping you from? See, because that's the thing about betrayal. It's got to be close to home. I started thinking about it because it's got to be close to me to affect me. You say, Pastor Chris, well, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about because you're talking about a guy named Judas and I don't know what that means, but how, who's the Judas in your life? See, because we build up walls when we get to this place. Here's my question to you today. I'm going to ask it, and I want you to think about this before we even get into this, and I want to ask you this thing. Um, where's your Judas that walked away with your security? Where's the Judas that walked away? Where's your, well, you say, I don't have any, but here's my question. Your Judas walked away with your virginity. Your Judas walked away with your security. Your Judas walked away with your spouse, your job, your childhood, your retirement, your investments. You expect me to wash the feet of them? They don't deserve it. Jesus, I get what you're doing, but if you get up and you wash his feet, I got to wash their feet. And there's some people's feet I don't want to wash. Because in my mind, they don't deserve it. See, we've got to understand what was happening in that moment. Because in that moment, what he was saying was this. What I'm getting ready to do, one day you'll go back and remember, you're going to have to do. But I don't want to understand. But here's the key. You've got to understand. We've been given a basin full of grace and palms full of mercy. And we're either going to choose to do it or not choose to do it. And today I got a question for you. David said it best. Look what David said in Psalm 55. You got to see this. It's amazing. He starts talking about how you got to get close to me to hurt me. If you're not, because anybody, like I said, can be offended because offense comes from far. But betrayal comes from within. It's somebody close. You got to get close. You almost got here by design. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. I could have took it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. I would have been all right with that. Then I would have, what, hid myself from him. But watch the next verse. He said, but it was you, a man, my equal, my guide, my acquaintance. But the next verse, we took sweet counsel together, and we walked into the house of God together. You say, you get stuck in that moment. Say, well, you know, people in church. I got news for you. People in church will hurt you more than anybody. 
Because people in church you think should know better. But I got news for you. Write this down. Unconditional love is going to give people the right to hurt you. Unconditional love is going to open doors to access for people to basically hurt you. Because if I'm going to love you unconditionally, even when you don't love me unconditionally, I still got to love you unconditionally because I understand grace has given me a greater place. That today I can let somebody go, what do I know what happens, guys? You know exactly what happens. We go to church, we do life, and we trust. We trust in the underdog. We trust in them that cannot. We trust in that person. And we build these walls. And these walls kind of come up around us where I'm not going to let anybody hurt me anymore. No, I'm not letting nobody in that close anymore. I'm not going to forgive to that point where I'm going to let anybody get that close to me anymore. And I'm building a wall and another wall and another wall and another another wall, and I'll never be hurt like that again. I'm never going to let anybody hurt me like that, and I'm not letting nobody in, but I got news for you. Guess what? Your walls got to fall down so you can love again, because let me tell you something. If you hold on to this thing of betrayal, it's going to make you bitter, because you got to understand something. Betrayal comes from the place of offense, Somewhere along the line, a fence showed up. And when fence shows up, I think Judas got jealous. I think Judas didn't have a right relationship. I think Judas, I think Judas is in heaven. The Bible says that Judas not only gave back the silver, but he repented. And then he hung himself. Maybe it wasn't the greatest decision to make in life, but I believe he got his heart right with the Lord. We'll see when we get there but it cost them too much to go on. I started thinking about something because if there's a base and a grace, what am I doing with it? And what is it costing me not to wash people with the same water that he washed me with? I thought it was ironic how Jesus said this. He talked about Judas right away and said, Judas... Hey, come on, guys. Don't you think somebody would have been like, not him, anybody else but him? Because if you, if you wash him, that means I've got to wash the betrayers in my life. If you're going to wash him, just like David said, he said, we were together. We were close. We took counsel together. Not you. Anybody but you. Somebody from outside I can write off. Somebody I don't really care about I can let go. But if you come in from somewhere from afar, it's not that bad. But when you come up right from within me, it's painful. Everybody in this room's got something. Somebody betrayed you. Somebody mistreated you. Somebody did this. Somebody did that. Did you build up so many walls you can't love again? Did you put up so much stuff that you don't want to forgive? Did you put up so much stuff I'm not going to trust? Did somebody get taken from you way too young and you can't go to a place like this? Did somebody walk out of your life? I don't know, but I noticed you can find a Judas in your life. I don't want you to go look real far to find them, but when you find them, I want to ask you a question. Have we washed them with the water? Look, I'm not here today trying to get you to a thing where I, I don't want to rehash the past and I don't want to get you to a place of pain, but there's a basin of betrayal that can only be washed with mercy and grace. It's people, you know, I thought of this and Jesus said it so well. 
In, in Luke 22, 52, Luke 22, 52, you got to see this. See, because Jesus even explained it in these two verses. In Luke 22, 52 and 53, Jesus says it like this. And when you see it, it's going to grab you. He said, Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him. But he said, you come out as against me with swords and sticks. And Jesus said to the chief priests, right, when I was daily with you in the temple, you had no problem with me. You never lifted your hand against me then. But this is your hour in the power of darkness. See, here's what it is, guys. The people that were with you one moment are against you the next. Jesus said, you didn't have a problem when we were in the temple together. You didn't have a problem when we were hanging out. You didn't have a problem. But the hour of darkness is coming. Now you're against me. The hour of darkness. See, it was cool when we were friends, but now I don't know what's going on. And now you're all rolled. Jesus even said of himself, he said, it was okay when we were in the temple together. But now you're turning your back on me. You were my friend and now you're my enemy. Look, everybody in this room's got it. One minute you were my friend, the next minute your enemy. And guess what? Guess what? I don't know why. And then you try to go figure out, well, what did I do? I got news for you. You didn't do nothing. You didn't do nothing. See, people one moment could be in one place, and the next minute they're not. See, that's the thing. And I know the church, well, you know, I'm mad at God. What are you mad at God for because of goofy people? How the audacity of the church to stand there and blame God for the children that he created. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to blame you for every one of your kids' mistakes. Give me a break. The list will go on forever. I'm not being a wise guy. Hear what I'm saying. Oh, you know, little Tommy talked out of place. Guess mom and dad are jacked up. Oh, little Tommy ate a booger today. Oh, I guess you're gross. Come on, pay attention today. How can you look at God and look at his kids and go, well, I don't want to go to church because, you know, church people are weird or hypocritical or wacky or goofy. Come on, give me a break. Guess what? We all have our flaws. How can you look at God, the audacity? I had one guy tell me, I pray to God, I hope he's watching. He said, I'm mad at God. I said, you're a fool. You're a fool. Mad at God for what? Because people... He says, if you wanted to bring it up, bring it up. I'll bring it up all day long. I got no problem telling you the truth. You could say, well, you shouldn't say it. I said it, and I'm not taking it back. You're a fool. Why would you blame a God of the heavens and the earth because people don't act or respond right? He can't even make them respond right. How in the world do you think we can? Did you get that? I go, I don't, I'm mad. What are you mad at God for? Hung stars in the sky. He can't make a human spirit do anything else but. Come on. Think of these things we say, they're almost, they're almost audacious, the audacity we have in our mind, they're audacious, because how am I going to blame God for how you respond? How can I blame God for what you do? Now I'm not going to love no more because I loved once. You've got to love again. And I thought about this, and I, and, I, and I want you to think about this, and it was cool, and I read something, and I'm going to see, I've got to know there's a base in the love, because this is what you've got to do, write this down. Certain conflicts can be resolved only with a basin of water. Jesus made sure his disciples had no reason to doubt his love. Why don't we do the same? Why don't we just love people? See, because unconditional love is going to hurt. Unconditional love is going to be painful. Uncondi you understand what I mean by that? Unconditional love is going to give right people the right to offend me. 
This message is brutal if you really think about it, because if you don't understand the grace behind it, how can I keep loving them that don't love me? How can I keep loving? Because you got to understand the base. I got news for you. The base in the betrayal has already come and it's coming again. You hear me? It's coming again. Now I got to determine how I'm going to respond. It's coming. Well, I want to just get out of the world or I'm going to build walls. You can't. See, there's pain in betrayal. David was no stranger to it. I'm going to show you how to overcome it, but one of the things I want you to understand, abandonment is the punishment that a criminal almost feels like. This is a suffering that's born out of abandonment that hurts people so well they don't even want to try anymore. When betrayal comes, how am I going to get out of it? Because you've got to understand something. This thing is so strong I think what happens is, I have great, write this down for your own mental sake. I have greater expectations of people and they don't meet my expectations. I have greater expectations of how people are going to respond. They don't respond the way I think they're going to respond. I have greater, I had greater expression, I have this, I have greater expectations to reap love that I sowed into people from those people themselves. And they don't. Hardest thing about a seed is sowing it into a place where you think it's going to come back from, and it doesn't come back from the place where you think it's going to come back, so you stop loving. Yes. See, if, I, what I doing, if I'm going to sow into you and you don't sow back into me, I'm not going to sow no more, because if I keep sowing into a place and I don't think I'm getting return, I stop loving. Amen. See, but the Bible says you don't reap where you sow, you reap what you sow, so you got to keep sowing. I stop my sowing. Did you get what I said? I stopped my sowing because I didn't see my return. We stopped the sowing because we don't see the return. I'm loving you, but you don't seem like you're loving me the way I'm loving you, so I'm going to stop loving. The Bible never said you reap where you sow. The Bible said you reap what you sow. You got to sow love anyway. People unmet expectations in love, and the way they love people makes them what? Shut off the love that they had. Jesus, I'm cool with everybody, but don't pick up that basin for the betrayer. Because if you pick up that basin and go before that betrayer and stand before him and gaze in his eyes, the one that's going to sell you out, I got to let those people go that sold me out. I got to forgive them. What I don't want to forgive. I got to let them go. What I don't want to let them go. They should pay for what they've done to me. But Jesus sat there and goes, he's the worst of the bunch maybe in your eyes. But the water I got washes him just like you. See, because we've got, we've, got we've, got we've, got we've got our own little spiritual you know, well, if you do this sin, you're really bad. And if you do that sin, it's a little bad. And a little bit of this sin ain't that bad. And a little bit of that sin ain't that bad. See, we have what I like to call, it's called, it's, it's called Christianity 101s. Well, you know, you do that, you're a big sinner. Well, you do that, you're a baby sinner. You know, you do that, you're a little, like Jesus said, sin is sin. And we're okay with the little ones, but the one, see, I'll preach this gospel until it hurts. But once it starts hurting, I don't want to preach it no more. You got to preach it anyway. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus, I'm okay with it, but don't go grab that basin for that betrayer. 
I'm okay with that guy over there, but don't you go, don't you go get that basin. Don't go get that basin. Leave that towel alone. Don't you go near. No, no, no. Because I know what you're saying if you go before him. Because if you go before him, if you see, some of you need to pay attention a lot more than you pay attention today because your whole life has been based on events. See, because really where you're at right now is what's happened to you in the past. You don't believe you are, but your dirt is the same. See, everybody in here has been trapped in moments in time, and the things that happened to you in life have now created who you are. And if you don't let some of this stuff get washed away, you're going to be a miserable adult. Amen. You're going to only love with a little bit because I can't love like that no more because I don't want to love like that nor get it. Because, see, everything that happened to you in life has te- affected your life. People don't want to believe that, but it's true because you're not that subconsciously able to wash yourself. That's why Jesus gave you the tool of the water to say, guess what? Mercy and grace. Come on. Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. He reached into a basin full of grace and pulled out fistfuls of mercy and washed his feet. I would have hit him in the head with the bowl. I'll tell you what I would do with that picture. How in the world can you stand before this guy? Knowing all the while. John chapter 6, it says, Jesus knowing him who was going to betray him. You know what kind of Christmas present he would have got? Sat at the table with them. They not know who it was. So that means he didn't treat him any different than anybody else. How can you treat him like everybody else? So natural man can't even see that he's the one. How could you have such character that you loved him like everybody else? So much so you can't even tell by your response who the betrayer is. How do you love like that? How? Only by grace. Listen to this. Listen to this. These are going to be wild. I realize that sometimes the love I'm given or being sown wasn't, doesn't come back. And it stops you from loving if you're not careful. So what I'm saying is I'm loving into you, but you're not responding right. See, you do that with your spouse. You love into your spouse, but when your spouse doesn't respond right, I stop loving because now I'm exempt from love because I'm selfish. Because you're not giving me back what you're supposed to give me. So this project of recovery is over. See, you've been betrayed. See, everybody in this room has been betrayed. Somebody loved you, hurt you. Somebody so close to you ripped your heart out. And sometimes in life, it's so hard to pick up the pieces and put it back together. I don't want to try no more. So I'm just going to leave my little walls up. And I'm not going to love anymore. Because if I love like that again, I'm going to get hurt. And I don't want to love like that. And I'll tell you right here, no one is going to make me ever feel like that again. And your little walls go up, imaginary walls. They seem to be imaginary, but they're real. So now I'm not going to love because if I love you and you don't respond right to me, so it's easy. You're my spouse. So if I love you and, and you don't respond right, well, now I'm not going to give you love because you didn't do what I needed you to do for me. So I stopped loving you. We say no, but it's true. We, we go get the books and we learn, oh, marriage is this and you're supposed to love. And then you love, and then you don't see response. Because where, where I sow love, I want to see love. And we've sowed love into people, and guess what they did? They didn't love back, so you stopped loving. Oh, you don't think so? See, so you sowed kindness, but they stopped being kind, so now you're not kind no more. 
And there's some people you'll give a little bit more grace, but other people, you don't get no grace because you didn't give me the grace back I gave you. So I'm so fixed on sowing and reaping where I sow that I don't sow no more unless I see it the way I see it. But you know everything. Not some of you here, you got to take that. Don't take that to heart. But some of you think, I know what I'm doing. If you know what you're doing, then you'd be free. But you're bound by the mindset you live in. Don't, not him. Because if you let him go, I got to love him. Because when I get mad, when I want to get mad, see, I look at him. See, when I want to say I'm going to hold you, I look at him. That's what he did. He set him up. He said, you won't know what I'm doing right now. Oh, he's a master of the setup. He's brilliant, Jesus. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. He used the moment to change everybody's life. He's so masterminded, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing that if you can even, you know, when you look at the brilliance of God, just for a minute, you can't even stare long, you got to come out. He's got the greatest stage because of his greatest pain. And instead of wasting this moment, he's going to use it. He goes, I know what I should do. I should show them what I expect them to do. So now I'm going to bite the bullet and do it. I'm cool with everybody else. But don't put that basin in front of that guy. Mm-hmm. Not him. Not him. Not him. Because if anybody's dirty, this guy's dirty. And he needs to go down for his dirty. Because he's a dirty. I started thinking about this thing. So it, 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 as much as it challenges me, retaliation is a, is a normal desire as long as it's not acted upon. Retaliate, Jesus, do something, expose him, say something besides get the basin. Retaliation would seem to appeal to anyone. But Jesus got a better idea. He records it in John 13, 3, and the New Living Translation. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come to God and we were turning on. Jesus knew the who and the why of his life, who he was, God's son, why he was on earth. This is the key. You got to know why you're here. They're coming. They're going to come. It's going to come. Offense is going to come. Betrayal is going to come. But Jesus understood. He understood the moment. He understood to take the moment and make it what it needs to be because that's what I'm going to show you. And I started thinking about this, and this exploded in my mind, and I started thinking we're going to go back there. But the Bible says when Job prayed for his friends that were really dysfunctional, Job got blessed. So I started looking at obstacles as opportunities because maybe these obstacles coming in my life are the success plan that God has before me even though it's uncomfortable. Now I started asking myself, how am I seeing everybody that's coming in my life? Are you, are you, are you? See, because, see, you know, I had guys in the church, you know, they're, they're good. I said, my job is to figure out, you know, in this ministry thing is kind of cool. You know, you get young, young guys, you know, young guys and girls, you know, good people, or young, younger people, and they say, well, I don't know, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I said, well, three things you'll either be, a prodigal, a protege, or a parasite. 
My job is to figure out which one you are before you manifest. He said, what would you say? I said, you're a prodigal. That means you just come to get what you can get and go. You're a protege, which means you'll stay with me for a long time and I'll teach you what I know. Or you're a parasite. We'll figure that out as time goes on. See, that's your, see, that's your deal, guys. See, because everybody that comes into your life, there's something there. Because let me explain something to you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the friends that could take you through the fiery furnace. Absalom will destroy you. Some friends you don't need in life. That's why your mama told you to stay around good people. She knew what she was telling you. Some people come into your life for a reason. And some people come into your life for an opportunity. I'm going to say something. You're not going to like it, but you'll get over it. Some people come into your life as an obstacle. But if you turn that thing around, they'll turn up to be the greatest opportunity you've ever seen. Because it's how I respond to the obstacles of life. We're going to determine where God can take me. Jesus had the platform that no man has ever seen before. And he said, I got an idea at the table. He said, I got a great idea. There they are. Every one of them. Go get the girdle. And go get that basin. Are you? Because I'm not about what they're doing to me. I'm going to try to figure out what I could do for them. I got a platform. Let me go teach them. I got a moment. I, got a, I don't know. They're coming. They might be coming. I don't know. I think it's after. I got a moment, and my moment's going to be over. So, guys, sit down. Why is he getting up? He's not. You don't understand. I got a, this is my moment. Yeah, sit down. Wait, I got to get my. Guys, all just get ready. I'm going to get. They knew what he was doing. He's going, he's going, he's going to wash her feet. And every one of them is look, look, recoiling in the reflection of their flaws. Not him. Peter got even bold enough to say, don't wash me. I'm dirty. Jesus said, no, what I'm doing right now, you'll remember, we're talking about it today. What I do there, and you'll talk about now. And he reached in the basin full of grace. See, this is grace. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. With palms full of mercy. And he wiped the feet of the people. Every one of them was going to walk away except one. On the eve of this, they all, only John went to the high priest chamber. Everybody left. Peter, you won't even make it till the rooster crows about you, Peter. Guys, you're not going to make it. Every one of them shouted. When that Roman sword hit the ground, they ran and scattered like rats. He said, you'll remember it one day. You're not going to remember it today. But you'll remember one day. One day is today. Think of this. Even Judas, the lying, conniving, greedy rat who sold Jesus down the river for a pocket full of cash. 
Jesus, you're not going to wash his feet, will you? Sure hope not, because if you wash the feet of Judas, I'm going to have to wash the feet of mine. And do unto others as I have done unto you. Watch this. If you wash his feet, I'm going to have to wash the feet of my betrayer. And no, every no good, good for nothing villain in my life. Judas walked away with 30 pieces of silver. What did Judas walk away with? 20 years of marriage? Your investments, your this, your life, something that meant something? See, most people would retaliate. Most people would have struck by now. Most people would have boiled over in anger and done something by now. Most people would have did something to retaliate, but you're not most people because you're grace-filled people. And you got to look at your own feet because they're wet with grace. You got grace-soaked toes. Jesus washed the grimiest parts of your life. He didn't bypass and carry that basin around you. And he wants us to take this vow of grace. Look at your neighbor. Say, you got wet feet. Look at your neighbor. Say, you got wet feet. I've been washed by grace. I can't take the grace he washed me with and not wash somebody else. I can't reach into the basin. I can't not reach into the basin he already reached into and gave me grace. And I know what happens. You say, how can I? But you got to understand, grace gives me ability to do what I cannot do by myself. Now your mind's got to rattle and go on the move. Where, where was it where somebody didn't do me right? Where was, look, I'm not saying you got to just go back to the place of pain, but I got to release some people that caused it. I got to wash them. Got to wash them. See, Jesus, do, do, do me a favor. That's all cool, but don't, not him. Anybody but him. Go to Job 42.10. I started thinking about this. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. I started struggling here. I said Job had everything taken away. But Job didn't get double until the problematic people in his life became his prayer request. And I caught something I'd never seen before. You're not going to like this, but it's true. I need them 
to help me get there. Look, some of it is just flat out demonic. You understand what I mean? But you're going to, now listen, that stuff, God don't bring that stuff. But even in that stuff, God will show you how to go up higher. But here's what I'm saying. The problematic people in the moment are a platform for my greatest success. And Job prayed for them. There's like four to five chapters that God wrote about those guys and basically rebuked them and said they're a bunch of dysfunctional mess. But Job prayed for them. The opportunity came to have a platform you couldn't have without them in your life. And Job prayed for them. You can play. And Job prayed for them and his captivity was changed. And he had twice as much as he had in the beginning. So wait a minute. You're telling me, I'm telling you the people that come into your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they could be a platform for your greatest success. What, what, what do you mean? Because here's the thing. In certain moments in time, what you respond to them with is going to determine how, how am I going to, look, bro, how are you going to pray for them that despitefully use you if somebody don't come and use you? How can you do good to them? Come on. That what? That don't do good to you. How am I going to bless them that cuss me if I don't hear you cussing me? It's painful in the middle of the cuss, but it's an opportunity for great success. Come on, you know what I'm saying? How am I going to do good to them that don't do good to me? How am I going to bless them that curse me? How am I going to take it to another level? How am I going to have an opportunity to go pour some grace on some people that don't deserve it? Jesus, I was cool with everybody else, but bro, don't grab that pitcher of water. When they come to him, because I don't want to let them go. And Jesus goes, I got, see, here's the thing. Jesus used the moment of an opportunity to transform our entire destiny. He said, I got grace for you. Now, you could choose to use it, or you could hold it back. But here's the thing. That sweet water will turn bitter as long as you hold it in the place of betrayal. That washing water will turn into a place of bitter water if you don't pour it out. Who need? come on, man. Whose feet you got to wash today? Whose feet you got to wash today? I'm not talking about getting a basin and go get a towel and go. Whose feet you got to wash? Who you got to let go? Man, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it, but guess what I got to do? I got to do what you did. Look at your feet. They're wet. They're wet, man. He gave me grace when I didn't deserve it. He gave me mercy when I didn't think I needed it. He forgave me before I even knew I was a sinner. How can I hold back what he gave me? And I know, guys, it ain't seeming like it's going to be easy. But he gave you a platform. Why do they say, I'm going to go wash your feet? It wasn't just a humble act of humility to do it. It was the symbolic reasoning of you'll remember this. So watch this. This is what he did. He set us up. When I'm getting ready to go hold you, he goes, let him go. 
When I'm getting ready to hold it, he said, you can't hold him. Why? Because I let you go when I shouldn't have held you, but I let you off the hook. Remember that whole story? We've been there, right? There's a guy in the Bible, and he owed one guy 50 bucks, and the other guy owed a million dollars. And the guy that owed a million dollars came and said, hey, hey, where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? And he said, no, 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 I don't got your money. He said, well, I'm going to put you in jail. I'm going to steal your family. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to beat it out of you. You got to give me a million bucks. And what the Bible say, guys, you know the story. I've talked to you about it. He said, what? He said, okay, I'll let you go with your debt. You're forgiven. Million dollars off the hook. Clear. Cash on delivery. Paid. In full. Done. Bible said the guy went away. He said, man, you're not going to believe this. What happened? He said, Mark over here. Mark over here, he owed, man, Paul just got off the hook for a million bucks. A million bucks off the hook. But Mark owed him 50 bucks. Really? And you know what Paul did? He went running over there and said, hey, where's my 50? Just got off the hook for a million. Come running over here looking for 50 bucks. Hey, where's my 50 bucks? Where's my 50 bucks? Where's my 50? He said, I ain't got it. He said, can you give me mercy? He said, no, I ain't giving you no mercy. He said, I'm taking you, putting you in prison, and I'm taking everything you got. I'm taking everything from your family. I'm all... They called the guy. They said, hey, you're not going to believe it. You know what happened down there? Daytona Beach. What happened Daytona Beach? Paul got on. Remember that Paul? You gave him a million bucks? Break? He said, yeah. He said, he went over there to Mark's house, pounding on the door, saying, where's the 50 bucks? And when Mark asked for forgiveness, he wouldn't give it to him. He asked for mercy, he wouldn't give it to him. You know what the Bible said? The guy woke up and said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Went down there and found Paul and said, hey, Paul, you know what? I want that million bucks cash. I'm not going to forgive you your debt because you can't forgive him. Why I can't forgive you? You know what that was? That was Jesus. You know what he was telling you? How in the world did you get forgiven of a million? All your sins have been washed away. How are you going to hold somebody else for theirs? If I hold you for yours, he said, I'm going to hold you for yours. I'm going to let you go. I don't care how wicked you are. Praise be to God. Now with that revelation, hey, Jesus, wash everybody real good. Let me go get the basin. Why? Because when I got to get some forgiveness, I need it. When I got to get some mercy, I want it. When I need some, look, I can give you some forgiveness and some mercy and grace for your betrayal. That don't mean I got to hang out with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I can let you go so I don't stay bound. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.